good evening, good evening, and welcome to yes, another. Yeah, I got to agree. Yeah, good. Welcome to another KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. As you heard the man say, he feels good. So, Doc, how are you feel? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling pretty good. So let's get right into it. A little bit of a cold, but not too. I feel good because the Rockets announced that media day will be on September 25th. So I'm looking oh. forward to that. That means basketball season is right around the corner. So, uh, money to be made. So based on, uh, the garbage that Texas put on display this past Sunday, basketball can't not get here any quicker yeah, for some people. So, yep. So <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. So especially with, uh, Mr. Cushing being suspended 10 games for his PED usage. The league now. Today. Oh man! No, hold on! Hold on. No, no! Why are you, wow! Why are you seeming shocked that he was suspended before? So, same thing. He had problems at USC. <laughs> I mean, it's like seem like and, in his nature. And, and you got a concussion situation you in too. And this, this was, for what I understand, at least the talk that's been around uh, a couple of guys. Uh, this one was pretty bad. Well. <clears throat> He's concussed. He's suspended 10 games. They only got, but 15 games left in the season, so he may be done for the year. So that's on him. That's on Texans. So friends have already said they should have cut him last year. So Man. he did it on his own. He did it on it to himself. Yep. But the problem is the crap that they put on the field Sunday with that offensive line looking like trash, like looking like five turnstiles. But let's, let's go from there. Was it because of the – Sorry, offensive line, or was it because Jacksonville defensive line is that good? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, well, I wasn't able to see the game, but from my hearing, they said it was as bad as 2002. Now, I I was at I was at a couple of games in 2002, <laughs> only because I could afford it, and it was team was still new. But if, it, if if everything looked as bad as that year, just this one Sunday that just passed, this team and this organization is in a lot of trouble for a long season. And it'll be hard for me to figure out, to, to look at, I guess, to, to, to expect fans to continue to support as much as they've been if that team looked that bad, don't move it forward. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they look really bad. There's no excuse for what's going on there. Obviously, just lying without Brown. We knew they come this season. So we just had to make that decision. Now they're going to look foolish for it and trying to figure out that. And now they're really in trouble because they don't have very good quarterback play. So now you're going to have fans pushing for the rookie to play, but do you really want to play your rookie behind a porous line where you know he's not going to have a chance to develop, particularly develop with good habits? So when you look at all that, just breaking down the stats is where I go in and start looking at games when they get this horrible. Uh, I think it was a composite, like just about anything when you look at sports like that. great deal of it was the porous play, um, capability of the professional players they have. And then the other part was Jacksonville stood up and they saw they had a chance to make a statement and push their weight around and that's exactly what they did. 
and and it wasn't just the Jacksonville's defensive line. Their linebackers and their defensive backs were tagging Texas players, and they hardly gave the receivers any chance to catch the ball before they got hit and brought down to the to the field, to the ground. I mean, they were in their shorts almost like they knew the plays because it was hardly any yards after catch for the receivers. The Texans had, I think, five players concussed, three at the tight end position. So they had to sign a tight end from the practice squad, I believe, to play in Thursday's game against Cincinnati. So Thursday's game is on, what, the NFL Network. Texans laid a big fat egg in their home opener Sunday. The Bengals got shut out in their home opener Sunday. So may not be a ratings bonanza for the network Thursday. We got two teams coming off shoddy performances. But it's a game in Texans need to find a way to win. Deshaun Watson is probably good. He's going to start, going to run around for his life a few times behind the offensive line. But after the Bengals, they go to New England and play the Patriots. Starting. So if they lose to the Bengals, then they may could be 0-3 playing the Patriots. Do you, do you believe it's a good idea? To no. Oh, no. Starting? I think they should stick with Tom Savage, even though Tom Savage's immobility would result in getting sacked in the pocket. But Tom Savage is not the future of your franchise like Deshaun Watson is. And why, why risk Deshaun becoming David Carr 2.0 in terms of have your feet and that's being ruined because of all the sacks and abuse he took? Exactly. You know, it's, it's, that's, that's one of the segues I was fixing to get into. You know, you've already – put a rookie out on the field with a porous, uh, porous uh, front line and pretty much ruined the, uh, the, the future of the team. Um, now you got to look at how you, at, as Doc alluded earlier, the Wayne Brown, how do you make that replacement and why do you, why do you find that person that can immediately step in within, you, you got to give them at least two, uh, two game, uh, at least one game of, of, of game of, of uh, Game action, but you got to find it. Find a replacement quickly. Dwayne Brown. Dwayne Brown is one would be one piece to five turnstiles. So well, he, he comes. He comes back great. He took out four turnstiles. All the whole line looked like trash Sunday. Well, the guards got bulldozed. The Tigers got bulldozed. Center got bulldozed. So unless you can clone Dwayne Brown four more times and have five Dwayne Browns across that line. They have five holes to fill. Ugh. Or so what is the, we get back what, to the what, point what, of was it just Jacksonville, the Glaze Campbell, and and the defensive line just is that good, and just accentuated the mismatches in the Texas offensive line. Thursday's game against the Bengals may be a another indication of of how good or average, mediocre or bad. Texas offensive line really is true, true. You know that it's, and it's like you said, it's a short week. It's a sick. It, it, we'll all find that it'll be a bellwether. It'll be a bellwether for both teams. Uh, the other thing is, I guess my question now is: Is, is Cleveland on the schedule? Uh, I don't believe so. I mean, Texas was oh the, my goodness won the division last year, so no. And the, you know, they played the first place teams and 
So I would. I don't where, believe so. No. Well, you looking for a, a win? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the reason I missed it. That's the reason I missed it. Please. Oh no! I mean the. That's told that he's searching for win. Well, let me ask this question. Then. What I do you think with you, what you saw on Sunday, it doesn't look like there's many wins on the table. But that's the way the NFL is played now. You can have teams really look bad one week, and then somehow they muster it up, and the next week uh, they find a way to pull it together and win an ugly game. So NFL is so different now. It's so hard just to say a team is down for good. Well, they I do. get your point. The Peter Browns on October 15th. really bad. October 15th, the Browns come to Houston. Oh well, uh, and and Indianapolis is the other team. Uh, yeah, yeah, the Colts are. Oh my gosh, they're they're horrible. They're horrible so because because uh, because they're rebuilding. They finally got a general manager who who realized what talented players are, and it's trying to get rid of the old players from the Colts. The Colts are starting over basically, so they're bad. And plus, Andrew Luck is hurt, and you see how. A horrible their quarterback situation is without Andrew Luck. So we got Tennessee, Jacksonville, the Texans may be the third team in the division because the Colts are so bad. Man, wow! We thought let's be honest. At least I did. Uh, I am. I thought those days were long gone, truly long gone. And we was looking at the future and moving forward, and. uh I still have patience as far as Deshaun uh, Watson, but with the, with the offensive line and the philosophy not being what it is right now, uh, I'm kind of kind of scared for the guy getting out on the field. But it needs to start higher up. Who who assembled the talent on the team? Well, let's start with the coach. Okay, because he those those were the players that he wanted. Those were the players that he said. That's what I need. They went and Rich Smith went and got him. And and what? And didn't he see have the entire off season to to judge Tom Savage to see what he can do or cannot do? So yes, he did. based on the, just the first half Sunday, you decided, oh no, I need to go to the other make a change after a half. So well, what? You know, he got you a quick have, hook now. He's, he's got a quick hook. And, and yeah, he's consistent with that. But is that a good thing? Over the long haul, no. Uh, short one or two games, yes, because uh, it kind of it, it's it's uh, it's all about disruption and and hope something works. But but going beyond the next two games, no. Uh, uh-uh. you you got to settle in on somebody and just stick it out and hope it works for you in the rest of the season. Because you can't be uh, as I say, the NFL, you can't. It's hard for you to run a, a platoon system at, at quarterback and make it work. It's just it's just the way the league is, and the defense is all a, a little bit more adaptable on this on that level than they can uh, than they are on the college and high school. I'm certainly with you, Woodley. That those are things that you can get away with at the high school and to some degree in college level, professional level. You you can't get away with it unless you play in a bad division, and that's what uh, the Texans played in last year and this year. But it seemed like they had less pieces than they even had last year. So now you're talking about struggling uh, to look good in a bad division. Uh, you're talking about playing a rookie 
quarterback, possibly. Uh, it looks like that's the direction they're going. You have a line that is porous. Uh, the only Pro Bowl talent you have on the offensive side of the ball is a receiver. Outside of that, what are you going to get done? I mean, at some point, you have – this is also a business about talent acquisition. I don't see enough talent on this team, no matter what type of things you start doing, that's really going to change that factor. And so at that point, I just think you're in a world of hurt. Let's shift gears to college. I stayed up Saturday night to uh, <laughs> watch the Cougars versus Arizona. And last week with our segment with John Royal, me, Doc, and John, I mean, me, Wildcat, and John Royal, all three of us picked Arizona to beat the Cougs, mainly because we really didn't know what the Cougs were going to do. We didn't know who was going to start a quarterback, how they were going to look because of the secrecy that Coach Applewhite had put a veil over the team. True. Saturday's right. game was underwhelming offensively and defensively, except for Ed Oliver. True. Ed Oliver is, is one of the best players in college football, period. Not just defense, offense. Yep. His, his pursuit, sideline to sideline is as good as advertised. You know, you see it on, what is it, video, film now. Seeing it in games, he had 11 tackles, forced a fumble, blocked a field goal. He, did, he delivered everything. Unfortunately, he can't cover, he can't uh, be multiplied in secondary. Um, he need to clone him for, for offense as well because I got tired of seeing the flare passes to the wide receivers that gained three or four yards, and that's about it. Uh, I was tired of seeing the defensive backs playing eight yards off the, the wide receivers, Arizona. Arizona's quarterback situation yeah. on a college level is, is as bad as, as some pro teams. I mean, it, it, these two young men just had – they were not very good. Now, maybe the Cougars played off of them defensively because they wanted to make their quarterback beat them with uh, their arms, and they couldn't do it. But the win was underwhelming, but it's a win. Now, this Saturday, the Bayou Bucket, 7 p.m. at the TDECU Stadium. Me and my friends have got the spot all picked out. We'll be drinking water and orange juice. Four hours before, uh, before we kick off. So water and apple juice and some grape juice and some uh, Sprites and Cokes. We'll be drinking, you know, some, some uh, drinks like that. Looking forward to uh, the city matchup and hopefully picking up a, a win over Rice because what I saw Saturday against Arizona does not give me much confidence that they can keep up with the firepower of Texas Tech on September 23rd. And that game's going to be 11 a.m. kickoff at the TDECU Stadium. But that's a few days away. You got Rice coming up this Saturday on the 16th. U of H has announced, I think they have 6,000 tickets for students that have been handed out, disseminated, and they may have do some more. I don't want to get into too many specifics. I don't know specifics, but I've seen a few, seen and heard a few negatives toward how the uh, season tickets, the student t tickets were distributed. 
So hopefully they'll do a better job with that going forward instead of doing certain things how as U of H alums like myself know it in the past that we, we do think backwards or poorly and it takes us a while to, to learn how to do things right, set do things right the first time, learn from from our mistakes instead of being proactive, we're reactive. But so we'll go with all that. But I'll be there drinking my water and my juice. I'll be there supporting my cougs and then leaving to go watch the Canelo Triple G fight. So <clears throat> go ahead, gentlemen. <laughs> Uh, Doc, you want to start? In terms of U of H matchup? Uh, yeah, we can stay with that for a little bit. Report. We can stay with that a little bit. Well, well we could talk about uh, TSU HBU and somebody <laughs> owes somebody to stay. We could do that. <laughs> yeah, I was hoping that we somehow would forget about that. <laughs> the game certainly was uh, one to forget your Tigers. Fans to Southern University. Yeah. Uh, I, I, no I, offense. I, no offense. No offense. How did it? Let me just. First of all, let me let me start with this. I've got a question as far as where, not so much the coaches, right yet. Uh, because I've only seen it. I, I didn't go into to, to any of the spring games. I didn't go to any practices for neither team. I, I kind of pretty much stayed away and just, and, you know, and just whatever highlights or quotes and all I got from, from online, from SIDs, I took with that and as a, with a grain of salt, and that was it. But watching Saturday's game from beginning to end, I was amazed at what I saw player-wise. For who? Yeah, uh, for TSU. You mean Thursday? Thursday. Uh, some way, somehow, they got to figure it out themselves. Because if you make a turnover, or you score a touch, uh, uh, you, you make a score, don't shoot yourself in the foot and start backing up. Those are mental mistakes and all that can be corrected, you know, by enforcing some things. But in the middle of a game, you don't have time for that. Coaches don't have time for mistakes going where you, you make for no mistake. You've got to correct them on an individual or somebody on the team in that hole to speak up and correct that themselves. Uh, the offense, as Doc mentioned too, it was almost like, oh, he's open. Let me throw the ball to him. And Mr. Oh. We've got an open got an open hole. Let's run. Let me run there. Got to get some consistency. But Doc, the other thing that bothered me too, kids, yeah. you got our physical. That I yeah. was not looking for. I was not looking for that. I was looking for at some point to to just man up and say, you know what, we're not going down like this. You know, so some way somehow. That's on a player side to, to mentally man up in the middle of a game. Yeah, but I think some of that comes from just plain old experience. At some point, yeah, you you, you want to man up, but Texas Southern is still hurting from, uh, and you didn't want to believe, and you know when the NCAA punishes that it's right, to hurt. right. But you think another team 
that are starting up a football program, it's hard for you to imagine that new coach coming here that you're excited about, you see some talent on your team, and you're like, okay, we should be able to play with this team. We should, in our mind, beat that team. Correct. But when you actually start going to the game and you see what takes place, and then you quickly change and you said, well, Texas Southern Tigers have a lot more work to do. And you start really looking closer at the product there. And you start looking at how many freshmen are playing. Um, the fact that you have a quarterback, yeah, you thought he was going to be much better. He's still coming off injuries. He still looks as if he's injured. You took for granted. He, he's a six-year guy and thought he would perform better than that. Uh, but they're going to have some major trouble in the conference uh, to get some of these wins from the standpoint that while defense, it looks like they um, turn the corner and can be more physical to some degree, uh, and they're making more plays than they did against the Florida and Rattlers in week zero where they just seemed too overwhelmed. And then we'll throw that off and say maybe that was part of the hurricane uh, but offensively, they're gonna have, they just have a hard problem uh, scoring. And this is a team, as you talked about, that wants to be physical. So they want to run the ball, which is fine because they have some talent at the running back position. Um, against family, for example, they average like five yards a carry in the game, uh, 5.6 on first down. So there's some evidence that they can run the ball, but the problem is, is against a lot of teams, uh, for example, again against FAMU and then against the Huskies, if those teams start to score in this game, they could still try to run the ball because it was relatively a close game, competitive game. In other games, when teams put up those points, you're going to have to get a, get away from running the ball, and they just can't do it offensively. Now, you want to give some credit, wide receiver, wide receiver had 200 yards. Yeah. Uh, so that, that, was, that was big. So that gives you some evidence that there's some talent on the team is it a, a you, you were going to see so that's what my concern is uh, uh, looking at the Texas Southern Tigers. In a lot of ways, this was opposite of what you saw down in Prairie View when Prairie View took on the number three team in the country, Sam Houston State, and really went toe-to-toe with them outside of the first quarter. Um, they really played with them offensively to some degree defensively, really where they had a lot of problems with special teams. And a lot of people would like to believe some of that was the fact that they were playing their first game of the season, obviously, because of the Labor Day Classic was canceled due to Hurricane Harvey, as we all know by now. True. Um, but uh, it was a 13-point game. They were literally going uh, with less than uh, four, five, three, uh, four to three minutes left in the game driving. Literally made a first down and set it up uh, to possibly where they would need to obviously recover an onside kick. But certainly the game was interesting and not a blowout as many people uh, had some concerns that it may be if uh, if the Panthers weren't careful that the game get away with them. They certainly weren't intimidated. They certainly offensively could play with Sam Houston, defensive play with Sam Houston. So those were some things that I thought were positive compared to what took place there. And kind of stretched this into some more HBCU framework because we had Hold on, um, hold on, Doc. Doc, Doc. Conference. Go ahead. Hold on. I want to ask you, going back to TSU, there's, I watched the game on TV, and there's the, one of the graphics was, I think the majority of the players on TSU's roster are freshmen and sophomores out of the 60, 
66-man roster or whatever. There's only like, what, 40 of them, about 40, 45, or freshmen and sophomores. Mm-hmm. So the team is young, and the defense in the fourth quarter just wore down. There's, there's not, mm-hmm. enough, not enough bodies. The depth just isn't there. And you start getting injuries here and there to your line. Who are you going to go to? So they just, they, they're they going to have problems due to attrition. I agree with you. I agree with you, too. And, and with PV dropping 31 on Sam Houston State, yeah. PV made this roll past TSU at the end of the season on the yeah, 25th of November. Yeah, they can uh, help, help uh, Texas Southern. They got to hope that um, maybe – Prairie View clinched the to go in the championship game, and they want to keep a couple of players out. Or um, obviously, you want to hear these type of things. There's some injuries that maybe come in there. But uh, I certainly, you certainly think about the fact that the, in a lot of ways, Texas Southern Tigers were very fortunate that they didn't get to play their game as regular schedule. Because looking between the talent of the two teams, man, that game could have got really early. Yeah, really early. Now you're hoping maybe that you find some things later in the season uh, where you can at least try to keep it close or you see enough things. But at this point, that game can get away from you quickly later in the season. Well, Doc, let me uh, uh, speak on HBU, and then you can roll into the HBCUs. Uh, uh, HBU started out the season uh, by question marks, especially because this was the first year since they started a football program. They had five preseason all-conference players to be placed. One All-American, Derek Dolan, uh, uh, Garrett Dolan, I'm sorry, Garrett Dolan, uh, who's a senior this year, uh, preseason All-American. But what was interesting was the running back, James Brown from Stafford, and the uh, freshman, who's a freshman, and the freshman uh, uh, quarterback, uh, that uh, has come in, made the, the, the adjustment, and I don't know what he saw. I was supposed to talk to him, uh, uh, scheduled to talk to him on next week, uh, classes and all. He, he, I got a range, a range around his schedule, but it's going to happen. And I'm going to post it up uh, next uh, next week, uh, early, either Monday or Tuesday next week. But just looking at what HBU did, especially in the second half when they needed to, especially the to, to possession, uh, to, run the, uh, to run the clock out. Freshman James Brown is going to be a lot to be, is, has a lot to be looking forward to barring anything serious uh, because he's a guy that's on a, uh, uh, pretty much looks like he's on a mission. I don't know whether it's because he didn't get picked by somebody, he didn't get a chance to go to the school that he wanted to go to, uh, his options and all, you know, they slimmed down just because of his size, but dog, everybody keeps saying it's the same thing. If you got a lot of heart, you can overcome a lot of things. He overcame a lot of things on Thursday night. Because when HBU needed to put the ball in his hands and said, look, get this done, he was able to get that done. Uh, offensive line, right now, HBU is scouting five kids over six, uh, six five or bigger and over 300 pounds over 300 pounds on the offensive line this year, which is huge, huge improvement from where they started and where they are now. Uh, the program is making a move uh, upward and not backwards. Uh, hopefully, if things work out, they won't be average anymore. 
All right, Doc, I'm go ahead and give us HBCUs. I certainly think that's a good call in terms of the people at uh, Houston Baptist having excitement. But we were talking about this, uh, the matchup between HBCUs, uh, mainly the SWAC with three teams and historically white college in terms of the Southland Conference. He had three matchups featuring uh, Southland SWAC, and then you had one MEAC Southland game uh, that uh, was quite unusual because you don't always, you really rarely, I should say, see MEAC teams get over here. And Coach Franklin from Cookman, the Wildcats, talked about the fact that uh, one of the reasons they're playing the game is uh, nobody else would play them in, in Southeastern said, hey, let's get it on. Um, so the the HBCUs versus uh, the Southland went two and two this weekend. So that that's some bit of encouragement. Obviously, what you've seen with uh, Prairie View and Sam Houston, you would grade that as a check mark. There's you want victories, but I guess the uh, frustrating one for least swag fans would be Texas Southern Houston Baptist uh, in regards to that. And so it'll be interesting to see what is going on there. So the third and fourth game that I'm referring to would be Grambling defeating Northwestern State. Now, that's an intriguing matchup from the standpoint that you had a Grambling State team that many people are picking to win the SWAC, the Northwestern State team that many are suggesting are, are at the bottom of the Southland Conference. So, some intriguing thoughts going on there, and we'll have to see how that plays out to see if that's the case. So the other one was the MEAC-SWAC, I mean, MEAC-Southland matchup, which was Bethune-Cookman coming in to play Southeast Louisiana. Who couldn't won that game? It was big for them for a couple of reasons. Obviously, you're on the road, you get that victory. Um, but we all know when we were talking about Hurricane Harvey, you had hurricane going on in Florida, and so they were displaced. They didn't know what they were going to come back to, and they literally had to stay over the Tuesday before they could start heading back. And they were practicing at Southern University uh, during the time. So the fact that they were able to get a win there that was big for them, so I thought that was one that was interesting for uh, fans looking on and, and taking on what's going on in the HBC country. So that's a big one. This weekend, you have some more of those type of games that will be interesting to see, uh, where this time you have Prairie View going down to Nichols, another intriguing uh, SWAC Southland matchup. So those are the ones to keep your eyes on. You also have Alcorn State hosting McNeese State uh, in terms of key matches this weekend. In regards to the mid-major division, some surprises going on on that side of the ball. We had Bowie State just blew out Winston-Salem State. A major upset in many people's eyes. Bull, uh, Bowie State Bulldogs. Bulldogs look really good. They look really talented. And actually it, um continue to just dominate some teams. The other upset for many people is Albany State, the Golden Rams. They defeated Tuskegee. That was a neutral site game while the Blue State game, they traveled down to Winter Salem and really put it on them. So those are some of the things that have a lot of people excited this week in regards to the HBC landscape in terms of some games. Let me give you the top five teams in each poll and I kind of gave you some big matchups and then we'll talk about some matchups to keep your eyes on went over some of those. But in terms of the mid-major division, top five programs, you can go to thd-agency.com and get the entire top ten list of that will be uh, posted uh, as of tomorrow. The top five programs, some teams making some moves, jumping into the top five this week. Clark Atlanta Panthers, 2-0. 1-0, got a big win this weekend in the SIC play. 
They jump off from number eight to number five. Then you go into number four. Albany State Golden Rams told you about the victory they had over Tuskegee, which actually dropped Tuskegee out of the top five as the Golden Rams jump in there from six to number four, uh, moving us to number three. Langston Lions, one first place vote, two and oh, one and oh, as they start a conference play and got a big victory. They move up one spot from number four, holding the number three spot. And number two, Virginia State Trojans, they also move up a spot uh, as they are 2-0 and now, and they continue to play some good football uh, and have four first-place votes, bringing us to number one. Bowie State Bulldogs are your new number one team, and they do it in classic fashion, beating up on Winston-Salem State, dropping them out of the top five. And the Bulldogs move up sport forces with five first-place votes, 2-0, and as they got it done and are now the number one mid-major program in week number two for Dr. Zill's mid-major poll rankings. Let's look at the top five programs in the major division. Yes, we have a sighting of a bison that jumps in the top five. They move up three spots from number eight. Oh, they lost to Kent State. They only lost by seven. It looks like they were trying to pull another rabbit out of the hat against the FBS program. Not quite, but they have a big game this weekend, probably bigger than – than those that you would imagine, even though it's against the SES program, they play Richmond. And so this is a, a team that London coach took them to a national championship at the SES level. Uh, but in a lot of ways, this is a regional recruiting battle. So the Bison certainly could make a statement if they can finally get it done. That's a Richmond team, top 25 SES program. So it should be interesting to keep your eyes on uh, looking at that. At number four, North Carolina Central won first place vote. The Eagles are one and one. Uh, move up one spot as they bounce back and get a win over their rival, Shaw. That's a Division II HBCU program out of CIAA, but they get the victory and beat up on them pretty big. At number three, you have Grandma State with two first-place votes. The Tigers are one and one. They move up a spot as well as uh, they get a big win, uh, continue to push forward, get their first win of the season. Uh, and then we have number two, Tennessee State Tigers. Looked like they were going to get upset by the Jackson State Tigers. As the Tigers hit a field goal as time expires, but the coach uh, for the Tigers came in and called that magical timeout, got it in right before the kick, at least by the referee's vantage point, they let the kick go off, so it goes through, but does not count because of the timeout. It works. He misses the next field goal, so the Tigers prevail. And that's the Tennessee State Tigers, and they remain number two, three first-place votes. Bringing us the number one team, North Carolina, NT Aggies. They defeated the District 2 point in the uh, But they are now passing about this year, surprising everybody. And they're doing it really well, playing very solid. It'll be interesting to see if they take on FCS from Charlotte this week. One that some people think that they may just find a way to get that upset and get that FBS win. We shall see, but that'll do it for the top five programs. Uh, for the major division of the HBCU mid-major major division programs. Again, you can go to tsg-agency.com, look at the HBCU Sports Report to get the entire top ten poll to see what's going on at the HBCU major and mid-major division. And who are you, sir? How can folks find you on the Internet? Social media platform. You can find me on the Internet at the tsg-agency.com. Find out all types of information on the HBCU report. You can also find me on social media platforms at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. That's D R K E N 
Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L, and then it's D-R-K-E-N, Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L, in regards to Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can find me on SoundCloud in regards to our podcast from our weekly radio show that airs every Tuesday from 6 to 7. And now we're extending the show from uh, for, from an hour to an hour and a half, looking at starting at 5.30 uh, every Tuesday, Central Standard Time, 5.30 to 7, as you'll start seeing us in the near future. If you can't catch it live, you can catch it on SoundCloud as a podcast. And Dr. Ville's Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Well, Kath, how can folks find you on the social media platforms? Uh, you can find me at uh, uh, Facebook, Twitter, TweetDeck, J.L. Woodley1, Jerry L. Woodley Jr., YouTube, SoundCloud, and at uh, B College Sports Report, and AKSV VCSR. All right, and I'm KG of the Houston Round Ball Review, HoustonRoundBallReview.com, Houston Round Ball on YouTube, Houston Round Ball Review on Instagram. Our podcast, we got a Facebook page, KG, Fistball Wildcat, and Doc on Facebook, so you can hit us up there. Please do, don't be shy about uh, commenting, sending us questions. If you want to like us to discuss a few things on future podcasts, uh, we have a guest lined up in the, in the next week sometime that we'll have for on a podcast, working on that, finalizing the, finalizing those details. A couple things. Um, this afternoon slash evening, Rice men's basketball got a verbal commitment from a young man from uh, Washington, D.C., South County High School. I've seen different things about his height, range from 6'9 to 6'10", 6'11", 7 feet. Quentin <laughs> Malora Brown, he's right now about 215, so he's got, you know, fill out. But uh, fourth verbal for Coach Scott Perra in the class of 2018. So he's doing uh, very well. Coach Perra's doing very well recruiting nationally, as he told me in his in the interview that he did with me. If you can check out, go to the HoustonRombardView.com, check out that podcast interview that uh, he did oh, a few weeks ago. So. But Coach Perry and his family hit, have, were hit kind of hard by the by Hurricane Harvey, and they're still trying to dry out and got a lot of damage over there. So, he, so thoughts and prayers to him and his family because they're still trying to get just recover from everything that they had to deal with with all the kind of, all the water damage and everything to their house. But he and the staff are still getting players to to commit to rights. So that's a good good sign. For uh, that means talented players are coming to the city of Houston, not just the U of H and TSU and HBU. So Rice, it's, we're not going to get a city classic, fellas. I've talked to, to enough coaches. Yeah, to, you know it's not going to happen. But at least basketball talent is coming to Houston, so maybe the teams can be good enough to kick butt and then have more teams go to tournaments. Most of your coaches were saying. Well, Coach Mike Davis doesn't want to do it. He wants to continue, you know, having sending his team on the road so they can go to, uh, you know, out of, out of the state, travel nationally, the five-star hotels and things of that sort. Uh, Coach Perra, being a Philly guy in the Philly Big Five tournament, he's not averse to it. He just is not sure of the logistics and how long it would take to make it successful. 
Coach Castle is for it. Coach Sampson, you have you know, not really. So that's just the way it is. So, so I'm basically it's two. It's, it's like, you know, it's two twos. You know, some are like, eh, you know, and then some are like, no, we're not, just not going to do it. So. Oh, man. So let me ask this question now. You know, I'm being messy now. Have you approached the the, uh, the women coaches about it? Uh, has it been mentioned? Well, they they play. Most of them play each other year in year out. To to you know friends and family. Okay, okay. You know, PV okay. and Rice have played each other almost. I think Pervy and Rice are playing this year. I think uh, Rice is going to the hill this season. Uh, U of H and Rice aren't playing, but uh, I think Rice HBU play just about every year, then maybe Prairie and HB women play this, but every year as well. But no classic-wise, you know, four teams rotating venues year in, year out kind of thing. No, that's not going to happen on that side either. Yeah. All righty. Just asking. And honestly, the women have to do a better job promoting and marketing each of their programs. To get people yeah. besides friends and family to come see them play. That's true. Which leads me to January thirteenth, <laughs> Saturday afternoon, <laughs> two p.m. That's what time? That's what time? It's gonna be on the HNPE <laughs> arena floor because of the renovations at Hawfines. But greatness yeah. comes to Houston. UConn Huskies and Gino Oyema and his squad, which should be, probably be. Oh, I won't say that yet. Well, I won't say undefeated. Saturday, January 13th, 2 p.m. Game will be on ESPN3 and Sports New York, UConn's channel that covers UConn women's basketball. Yes, the UConn channel basically broadcasts every home game, every game for the women's basketball. For the Huskies will be on Sports Network, Sports New York. UH, UConn, 2 p.m., January 13th. The American announced the conference schedules for all the team member teams on the women's side today. So you've announced their schedule. It's, you can go to my women's who's blog and see who they play. They opened their conference on the road versus SMU. So, but yes, I'll be mentioning once a, a few times to remind folks that UConn is coming to town for their every other year visit. UConn, U of H, this time will be at TSU's campus. So if you want to see some elite talent in the neighborhood, in the hood, in the city, January 13th, get your tickets. UConn, U of H. Oh, well, we, know, we don't expect the game to be close, but UConn is no. coming to town. But I will say, I will say, Coach Huey, Expects, as he's mentioned in the interview that he did with me as well, he expects this team, his U of H squad, to get to a postseason tournament this year. He did not. He did not say. Obviously, the I be be thrilled to death to get to the NCAA tournament this year. That's on a high expectation. He's not expecting that. But we're talking, though, similar to what Rice did last year with the WBI, or you know, so he expects his women's squad to get to the postseason this year, which tells me that the talent that he's bringing in is going to result in more wins 
than last year and previous years that he's the head coach at U of H. So can he get twenty wins? Can he get twenty wins? No, uh, I doubt that. I doubt that. Well, but, then, but he then, said, but he, but he did say he said seventeen, eighteen to twenty. So he himself has said seventeen, twenty wins. Oh, okay. All right. All right. So it ain't cool. It, it ain't cool. But I mean, you know, you need at least seventeen, eighteen wins. Well, we we'll see. The non-conference schedule is not that awesome in my eyes. But uh, oh, no, uh-huh. they do play Texas A&M in the opening round of the WNIT. That game will be at Reed Arena. Um, so that's a, I think the game is going to be on a Friday. So that'll be the opening test for them to see how far the Cougars have come and how far they still have to go to get to become an NCAA tournament team. Mm. All right, yeah. gentlemen. Let's, let's wrap up. I'm going to give you, toss it out there. Because we, our podcast, we're sports and more. I don't know all the details. Honestly, I don't know, know anything about it until yesterday. Today's Wednesday night. I saw it on Twitter Tuesday night. Apparently, she put it on Twitter Monday night. Jamel Hill and her tweets that have been deleted. But her tweets saying President Trump is a white supremacist, surrounding himself with white supremacists in the White House. Received all kinds of backlash from Trump supporters, conservatives, calling for her to be fired, ESPN to fire her. ESPN sent out a really milk toast press release statement saying we spoke to Jamel about her tweets and those tweets do not reflect ESPN's views, et cetera, et cetera. What are your thoughts? Should ESPN fire her? Should Jamel have tweeted it? You know, whatever. Give me what you want to give me before we wrap it up. Okay, uh, let me go first. Number one, made a decision consciously that she had something to say and she wanted to make it public. She went Twitter. Now, once you do that, and we all know once you push send, that's it. It's out there. Uh, you can't resend it. You can't get it to back it up, uh, 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 erase it or whatever, because once it hits that, it hit that outline, uh, hit that, that, uh, that outlier is gone. Now, what was mentioned afterwards between her and the conversation she had with ESPN, normally we notice 24 to 48 hours, even 72, person is gone. Person hasn't left yet. So whatever was, was discussed in the meeting, somebody was cool with it. Well, the, like I said, my, I'm disappointed in the statement that ESPN put out there. I felt it was kind of wishy-washy. But I'm also disappointed that the tweets, those tweets, specific tweets, have been deleted. You put it out there, that's how you felt. Now, if ESPN and your bosses said, delete them, or we're going to fire you, maybe that's what the discussion was about. She deleted them to, to keep her job. You know, who knows? But they're no longer on her account. Doc, what say you? Oh, I certainly believe that she had to delete the tweets. That's where we are in these damn times. She works for a corporation. Um, whether they believe that she had the right to say it, certainly in terms of the public sphere in the landscape we live in now, um, they have a broader picture in terms of the customer base that they're trying to make sure that they align themselves with so they couldn't 
uh, come out in public and say, you know, she has the right to say that. The other individuals that have made disparaging remarks that they uh, chastise, slap wrists with, and things of that nature. So from that standpoint, um, they're following the same script. So I don't have a problem with ESPN because they're not treating people differently in, in regards to them having um, disparaging remarks or remarks that people think uh, shouldn't be expressed. The second part of it that I will say uh, from this is those that believe that she should be fired, um, certainly you could see them coming out and trying to push that issue, but I think it would be a terrible mistake for ESPN to do that. As I said, they've had other individuals that have made mistakes, and so uh, their past president has suggested that uh, it's going to take more than one uh, remark or a framework of remarks uh, that would cost you to be removed from air and, and lose your job from that framework. So one is not going to do that. Uh, the third issue for me in terms of those remarks, uh, it's uh, certainly not out of the realm where a lot of people of color certainly believe that. So let me get that out first uh, in regards to there are particular people that believe he's like that specifically from his policy. What I think is really a bigger story is interesting is when you start looking at these policies and you start looking at how racist these policies are, we look at his comments in terms of what people obviously see as racist individuals and white supremacists in terms of Charlottesville and what took place and how he he handled that. Uh, you talk about his uh, his nomination that he pushed forward that's over the DOJ, uh, his past precedents and what he's done in Alabama um, in regards to white supremacy, racist framework of thinking. You had Coretta Scott King, the wife of Dr. Martin Luther King, in regards to her comments of how she felt about him. I don't even want to share his name because I think it's frustrating in terms of what he's doing and rolling back civil rights movements. So people may get excited or frustrated or flabbergasted by the terminology, but I'm more interested in looking at the policy in regards to what is taking place. And it's obvious from that standpoint uh, that what Trump is doing uh, creates that context for people to even add a consideration uh, that that's the way they feel about it. So I think that is more interesting when you look at it, look at the nuances. Now, from an academician like myself, we can put it out there and, and let it uh, stand where it's made uh, in regards to how you communicate those policy actions. And that's where, in a lot of ways, I think it's dangerous when you use Twitter because you really don't have enough characters to really expound on what you're looking at in regards to that white supremacy framework. So those are things that I think need to go on the table and really look at uh, moving forward. And I think it's very interesting in this time and place in this country that people are more concerned with what you call somebody in regards to their, their ability to be racist and what their policies show 
that they're actually doing in regards to racism and white privilege and the supportive nature of white supremacy. Sounds good to me. I'm glad we brought it up. I you know, these podcasts, these podcasts, we discuss sports and more. Some folks listen to us for those discussions. Some folks tune us out for those discussions. I'll, I feel safe in saying this. We're going to continue discussing them. So, no doubt. So that's not going to change. So, gentlemen. Yep. When it, Doc, when are you going to uh, take pay off your bet? So I know when it really stop by. Uh, when, 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 when he's ready, you know, I always find a way to have money in my pocket, so I'm going to pay up on the bill. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll chat that for you, then. Let me know. Yeah, let me know when you got, so I can know when to stop by. Okay. Uh, Doc, uh, as you mentioned, you, you've always got to find a way to, to make it happen. Um, I want to invite Bruce out to uh, uh, share another steak. And uh, don't forget, too raw for me to take. No, that. no, it was double or nothing. It was two states. No, 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 no. Just two states. I thought it was four. No, no. <laughs> you sure? You didn't. You didn't win two states last year, did you? Ah, uh, let's see. What? Yeah, Bruce came by and ate with me. Sure did. But that, yeah, that wasn't for Doc though. Doc didn't take care of Bruce <laughs> right. because of the bet. I, right, I it was, took, it was, I took it care was, of Bruce because he was a fan. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's not the really? same thing. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's because of the okay. bet. Okay, all right, that's, that's, I hear y'all. I hear y'all. My, my, I, I, I didn't know I'm getting, I'm getting old and I already came here. You know, I understand it's bad. It's like getting with somebody's pocket. I understand. And I was getting like, yo, you've done that for many years. But I'm a wolf. I'm a wolf. Okay. All right. All right. So, yeah, you got uh, two coming to you, Wildcat. So, yeah, just yeah. be content with the two. All right. Uh, well, then, I've got two coming to me. I got two coming to me. Uh, let me have one raw and and one uh, and then one I'm gonna eat uh, because uh, I'm getting better with my nutrition and uh, so I can get two uh, beef meals a, a month, and that, that that that'll solve that'll solve everything. I see. You, I see. You. All right then. So Doc, uh, pretty much uh, whatever tools that you're, you know, you don't have a a quick a quick schedule after you get after you done. We, we can, can make that happen. We, we can we can make it happen next Tuesday. Just remind me. Oh uh, now, now next Tuesday I want uh, next Tuesday I got a meeting. I got right, a uh, I got a, just remind me the following Tuesday so to make sure I can bring this. No problem. No problem. Uh, state. Okay. No problem. Good deal. Good deal. Yes, sir. I might surprise Chris with one so he can cook it on himself. I ain't going to buy him to cook one. He's going to have to cook his own steak. Let me ask this question. Is the series over? Are they going to – was this a a home-and-home situation? Uh, That's a good question. I need to follow up. I hadn't heard any talk. I hope they continue to play the game. I do, too. And and to find a way that the Tigers can start winning some of that. Uh, but I'll follow up actually tomorrow, so I'll be able to report on that in our next podcast. Okay, but if, if, because other reason I want to see that continue. Folks always talk about you know these other places like California and and, and Florida about how much talent and all they got rolling around. 
what showed me Thursday night more than anything else, this city alone is supporting four Division One programs without a lot of, a lot of problems. The, 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 this, 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 Houston, this Houston region, the Harris County, Fort Bend, uh, you include the Golden Triangle because of the, how, how close they are. As Coach Sumner used to, to say it on a regular basis, a 100-mile driving radius of this, of this downtown city, you can pick up anything you want. You got no excuses for not being able to find what you need. Well, from the team's perspective, I'd say yes. From the support of the fans' perspective, I'd say hell no. Yeah, I, now that I, I I don't know how I don't know how that gets corrected. I I really don't. How that gets corrected on on any level, and that's whether football it be right, and basketball. Basketball, yeah. I just I just don't know. And we don't have a city that has a lot of things going on at the same time. We just don't. Folks can use that as an excuse, but we just don't have that have much going on. Not on a Saturday. Not when it's football. Am I wrong, or am I reading it wrong, or, or, or what? No, that's an issue. I think both of you all bring up a significant issue in terms of the fan base. Um, but I think Houston has not necessarily a lot of sports going on, but a lot of events. And when you start looking at these mega cities, what you find out, it seems like they just like front runners. So you're going to have to win in this city for people to follow you. Uh, you can do a lot of different marketing things, and you could probably increase your average fan base, which I think is significantly and very important, and you should have some of our AD, you should push that marketing people do that. But I fundamentally getting to the point now that I think uh, at the end of the day, you just got to win. And with that, we're going to wrap it up. Gentlemen, thank you for your time. Uh, listeners, if you want to find me Saturday at TDC. TD ECU Stadium, drinking some water and some juice. Look for me. I may put put on Twitter my location, or you know, I may whatever. I may put it on Instagram, Houston Round Bar. If you see where I am, drinking my water. You can some see see me and my my friends hanging out drinking water. Um, stop by and watch the Cougs play Rice um, PM kickoff. Fellas, thank you very much for your time, your your insight. As always, I appreciate it. We're gonna do another podcast in a few days. Try to get in the routine of this during the fall so look for look for that we're posting it on i'm mentioning it on our facebook page when the next podcast will take place so i'm gonna wrap it up as i always do in conclusion be true be cool and do more